You are listening to the Claycomo Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We welcome all our listeners. Today is Sunday, July the 3rd, 2022. Pastor Scott Gordon continues his study on healthy habits with service in shape, part two, discussing the gifts of the Spirit as we may go out and minister to others. And now to Pastor Scott. As you're grabbing your Bible or a Bible in the pew in front of you, turn to Romans chapter 12. As we continue our emphasis on the habit, the healthy habit for our spiritual strength, the habit of service or ministry. And I've got to add another part to the announcement earlier. If you're wondering if I'm having a fun day, I am. I'm trying to catch up with everything. Uh, My day started by remembering all too late that I left my keys in my wife's car. Recognizing that fact when she was more than halfway to Wichita this morning. At which time she said, oh, I also recognize that your keys are in my car. And I, what am I going to do? Thankfully, in God's providence, our new daughter-in-law left her car at our house while she and Jay are with her family in Colorado. So I'm borrowing her car. And so that worked out well. But needless to say, since that time, my day feels like, where are we? The other thing I needed to add, I said, hey, July the 10th, which, by the way, happens to be next Sunday, it is Sunday for our spaghetti dinner, and it will be shortly after the end of our morning worship service, in case you're wondering on time. That's the part I left out, so let me make sure I have that there. Okay, focus. All right. We are here in Romans chapter 12. Got a question. How would you attempt to build a wall out of wood without a saw? or a hammer, or, or nails. It might be a little bit difficult. I don't know much about that. I've been in building projects. Uh, I have helped the guys who know how to do that stuff. Here's another question. How would you try to play baseball without a bat or a glove? Or a ball, for that matter. You go, I, I, I just don't think that's possible. And you would be absolutely right. There, was, there would be no way to do that. In, in much the same way, we cannot seek to develop the habit of service or sell the, the habit of ministry into our lives without the proper equipment. It's just not. If we go, God's called us to serve, yay, let's go do it, and not realize, hey, what do we need? How do we do this? What do we have before us? We need to have that right stuff to rightly serve. Which is then why the answer to my next question will now appear rather obvious. Why are spiritual gifts important? Well, you see that question on the screen overhead, and we find answers to this in God's Word, and that's the best place to find answers when we start talking about the spiritual needs of our lives. It's the only place to find the answers God would have us to incorporate into our lives. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. Likewise, not only does Peter say this, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where, where we spent the majority of our time last Sunday, in verse 7 we read, A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. 
And so we see that encouragement given to us. In fact, that first chapter, or the first verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, Concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be unaware. If we're thinking, hey, God has shaped us, as we talked about last week, for service, for ministry, and that first letter, S, stands for spiritual gifts, then God has something for us in his word to discover. And we looked last week at those categories, those types of gifts he has given to the church. Those that are motivational, that, that empower our drive, if you will, for service. And then secondly, the ministry gifts, those areas of service to one another, to our neighbors, to the world that is around us. And then finally, in, in 1 Corinthians, we also saw that there are manifestational gifts. Those first two gifts working together produce results under the, the working of the Holy Spirit in and through us as the church to produce faith and wisdom and those responses that we find here as well that strengthen, that build others up, that are an encouragement to others and as we are encouragement to each other within the local church. So why are spiritual gifts important to service? It's foundational. Without understanding and recognizing the blessing that God has given us, we will not rightly, we will exhaust ourselves in trying to faithfully serve if we try to do it under our own strength, not recognizing that God has provision for our service in his plan according to his word. Now, as we go to discover those spiritual gifts God has given us, because not any one of us has all of the gifts in our lives, therefore, we need each other. As we see in, in chapter 12 of the book of Romans in verse 6, it says, According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. And so that is, that is key there. We don't have them all. We have different. We need each other. God designed it this way. But as we begin to discover, we, we recognize anytime we try to learn, we face challenges. And I wanted to make us aware of just a few, like we talked about Wednesday night, of the challenges to discovering our spiritual gifts. The first one is confusing spiritual gifts with natural talents. They're not one and the same. There is a spiritual gift of teaching. There's a natural talent of teaching. Can those both be used together? Yes, they can. But they are not one in the same. So we need to understand, and we do talk about talents or abilities when we talk about shape. Our shape for ministry is spiritual gifts, our heart, our abilities, our personality, and our experiences. And all that God has incorporated into our lives has designed us and equipped us and prepared us for exactly how God wants us to serve each other and our neighbors and everyone around us. Secondly, another challenge we need to be aware of, we don't need to or don't want to confuse spiritual gifts with the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit we read about in Galatians 5, 23 is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are wonderful characteristics. Those are the qualities that God expects us to have in our lives that are the design of his people, the, the characteristic. People ought to look at us and see those character qualities, if you will, those nine aspects of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. One, one writer put it this way, to compare the fruit of the Spirit and gifts of the Spirit, of the, Spirit the fruit of the Spirit shows my maturity, 
How am I growing in Christ, in faithfulness, in righteousness, in holiness, which is what all of the habits we've been talking about are designed to get us to do as well as to benefit others as we are all seeking to grow in Christ. Then the gifts of the Spirit show my ministry. If the fruit of the Spirit shows my maturity, how I'm growing in righteousness, the gifts of the Spirit show how I am to serve in a faith, as a faithful follower of Christ. Another challenge we need to be aware of is unrepentant sin in our lives. It's kind of like the, the, the static on the line. If we are seeking to hear from God or if we are seeking to find an answer of an inquiry we have, like, God, what gifts have you given me to be a blessing to the local church, to others around me? That unrepentant sin in our life can be a static that will keep us from really being able to be assured that we are following after God. It's a distraction. That's why wrestling with sin, confessing and repenting of sin for believers must be a constant and vigilant activity for each one of us. And finally, one other challenge I want to mention to discovering our spiritual gifts is carelessness in our biblical commitments. It kind of dovetails with the last one I mentioned, but it also focuses us here. And allows me to say this is why as we've done this study in healthy habits for our spiritual strength, we have done everything we've done before this point to get to where we are now. Because we must have a consistency and a faithfulness there to be most assured that as we are seeking to find our spiritual gifts, we will be following and we will be hearing from God rather than our own self. Our own desires. Here's what I want. Here's what I think. Here's what I need. This is what I want to do instead of this is where the Lord is leading me. This is how God has designed me. This is how God has enabled me spiritually to do this. We do that by these habits of worship and Bible study and Bible memorization, meditation, the aspects of prayer in our lives, the sharing of the gospel through evangelism, all of these aspects of the habits we've talked about to this point. We cannot be careless and be an unfaithful steward of the blessings God has given us and expect God to answer. We need to make sure. Can we find out? This doesn't mean we have to be perfect. Can we absolutely find out, even though we struggle in these areas, what God has given us to be spiritually gifted to serve others? Yes, we can. But the more diligent and dedicated we are in these areas, the more assurance we'll have that we are being faithful in what we're hearing from God and the direction we believe he's calling us to go. So for this, the remainder of this Sunday and at least next Sunday, I want us to focus on the motivational spiritual gifts. That's the beginning one. That's that first category I talked about last week. And that's why we have turned to Romans chapter 12. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, we read, Now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. And so that is that first category. And we read here, if you look in your Bible, beginning again in verse 6, it says, According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity. Leading with diligence. Showing mercy with cheerfulness. If you've done the counting like I have done, you, you will see that there are seven of these gifts right there. I want to, and I'm going to quite literally be running, so get your track shoes on. 
We've talked about working out. Today's going to be a workout. We're going to try to get through three. We may only get to two. We'll just see how this works out. If we get to two, we'll pick up with the next one next week and keep running, quite literally, uh, as we look at this. Because I want us to have the information that is there. And then as we are praying for each other, either believing we know how God has gifted us to serve in the church and maintaining that faithfulness and checking in with God on that, or if we're just at that point of beginning to look at, God, where have you gifted me? How have you called me to serve? That you would begin to open up the doors of those opportunities in these ways. So the first one, we're just going to take them in the order in which they appear in Scripture. The first of these spiritual gifts is called prophecy. Now, normally we think of this, it's like, I'm going to say here, and I'm going to talk about the future. That's what we think about when we hear prophecy. And that is definitively an aspect of biblical prophecy, but that's not the entire definition of the word. You'll see there on the screen, the Greek word prophetia is the, the word that Paul is using here. And it literally, in a sense, is talks about proclaiming to foretell, to, to state in fact, another writer put it this way, it's the proclamation of a divine message. Well, the best description I have seen of the spiritual gift of prophecy is someone with this gift wants to boldly live and proclaim God's revealed truth. That's a primary motivation that is there. And by way of example, the scriptural example that comes to mind is Peter. As someone who has the spiritual gift of prophecy. And you say, you could go to Amos and Isaiah and all those, and yeah, that's a, a prophet. But the gift of prophecy also has to do with, as we just mentioned, boldly proclaiming the truth. To be able to say, God has said, and that settles it. To be able to say, it is black and white, there is absolute truth, and this is God's way and the way that we should go as His people. And as we are living, we should treat others with respect. We should not compromise the truth, and we should do all we should for the glory of God in the sake of the name of our Savior and Lord. Peter was right there in the middle of that idea. Now we see what we might call a spiritually immature expression of this in Matthew 26. If you'll recall, this is um, in the midst of the Passion Week and, and Jesus, as he is getting ready to be arrested and taken away, having a conversation with them in Matthew 26, beginning in verse 31, then Jesus said to them, tonight, all of you will fall away because of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. And what you'll see on the screen are the two responses of, of Peter in the midst of Jesus' conversation with the disciples. He kind of steps to the forefront like that's the only one Jesus is talking to is Peter. And that's kind of a tendency. There's a little boldness there. And he's, he's got this, uh, hey, Jesus, I know what you said, but. Have you ever had that attitude personally? Hey, hey, Jesus, I know what you said, but wait a minute. And Peter kind of goes down this road. He says, Peter told him, even if everyone falls away because of you, I will never fall away. And then Jesus replies, truly I tell you, Jesus said to him, tonight before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter responds again, even if I have to die with you, Peter told him, 
I will never deny you. Now, lest we get this picture of, of Peter being kind of a lone ranger here or, or the ones that the others would disrespect or, or kind of disregard, what does the scripture right here say about Peter? He was seen as a leader. He was respected. Why? Because when Peter stood up and said these things, I will never, even if these others, is, what does the Bible say? All the disciples said the same thing. So there's that kind of prophetic leadership, even in an immaturity, when Jesus says, this is the way it is. All of us have to grow. Even if we begin this journey in saying, God, how have you gifted me? And we get excited about it, and we get to serve with it, and, and we make some missteps. And it's going to happen. It happens to all of us. As we're trying to live the Christian life, none of us does it perfectly the first time, every time. And that's okay. As long as we learn from our mistakes and adjust to the way God wants us to go. That's where we've got to make sure. Where it's okay for us to fail as long as we learn and we get back on the track God has called us to as his people. But let's look at a spiritually maybe more mature expression. Peter wrote a couple of letters here in the New Testament. First Peter chapter 1 verse 7, we read these words. So that proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Can you see someone who went through the trial and learned from it? Who at first said, this will never happen, I'll never go this way. And when he did and he failed, he learned an important lesson. And it was not something he knew. It was not something that was unique to him alone. And so he wants to share that with others and say, as God has changed me, he can also continue to change you and change us together. I don't have it listed out in detail here, but I have a couple more verses. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 13-16, we read these words, Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. It's a little bold. But as one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. Why? Because Peter said so? Nope. Peter was not so personally bold as to say, because I think it's a good idea. Peter said, we are to be holy because it is written. Our Lord has said, be holy because I am holy. And Peter was completely confident in saying to others who were listening to him as well as himself, God's call in our life is to be holy, to be anything less is sin. We have no choice but to do anything but to live and strive towards that goal of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. And so there's that picture of someone with that spiritual gift of prophecy that really wants to see God's word venerated, if you will, to, to be held up as something that is beautiful and is important for us. And not only just to be acknowledged as these are good ideas or that's a neat story, but these truths are to be shared with each other as we seek to honor God. And if we want to honor God, we've got to know His Word. And when we know His Word, we've got to live it. And that's all there is to it that settles it. 
That works itself out in so many ways in the local church. We'll talk about some of those at a different time. But I want to get to one other spiritual gift. I'm only going to go through two. Let's look at the gift of service. Now, you look at the Greek word on there, at least how the, the English, and it sounds familiar. Diakonia, or diakonos, is how we hear it when we talk about deacons. We go, oh, man, that's a familiar word to us. And that's the word from which we get deacons is the word that is described for us here in the text as service, serving. Very few people describe this as helping. In fact, one other translation in English, instead of saying in serving, it says in helping. And that's a very good picture of what this word is all about. In fact, one of it is to, to say rendering practical help in the church and beyond. It is being able to meet needs. Most commonly, these are physical needs of others around. Can be spiritual, can be both. It is definitely a ministry of being present with others around to be able to serve, to be able to help. An example that stands out for us in Scripture regarding this gift is Timothy. And you say he was called to be a spiritual leader. He was called to be a pastor. Yes, he was. But listen to how he is described by Paul. To the church in Philippi in, second, in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 19. It says, Now I hope, this is Paul writing to the Christians in Philippi. He says, Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like minded who will genuinely care about your interests, your needs. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ, but know his, speaking of Timothy, his proof in character. Because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. So that was the heartbeat of who Timothy was in his life. In fact, when we think about service, ministry, that meeting of practical needs. Often that times that's behind the scenes, and oftentimes those are kind of ongoing ministry needs where there's no spotlight. And it could be easy to get discouraged or just to kind of get down. And, and in fact, as we live our Christian lives, that's true for all of us. But a specific need in the life of somebody who has a primary motivation of service, there's a need for encouragement. In fact, Paul does that with Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3, Paul reminds Timothy to share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. In that same chapter, in verse 10, he goes on to say, This is why I endure all things for the elect, so that they also may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And then verse 15 of that chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 2, says, Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed correctly teaching the word of truth. So there's that level of encouragement. Paul would often talk about Timothy and send him away from himself to help meet the needs of others, to help care for others. And so that aspect of help and care ministry is a definite characteristic of somebody with a spiritual gift of service. Someone who says, let me help you. And not necessarily in the abrupt way that they do at Gates Barbecue. 
I had to tell on my cousin when he was coming in from, from the Houston area for Jay's wedding. He had texted me and said, hey, you got any good recommendations for barbecue? Last time we were here, we did Q39. I said, well, that was a good choice. He said, what else? He said, we've heard about Jack Stack. I said, here's three. Let me just give you three. Jack Stack, Gates, and Joe's. Pick any one of those. He came up to me at the, uh, at the ceremony that Saturday, and he said, hey, I just want you to know we stopped in at Gates. And he was like, and I could tell there was more. And I'm like, what? He goes, I, I, at first I just didn't get it. We walked in the door, and, and they started yelling stuff at us, and I didn't know they were talking to me. He says, I thought, and finally I looked, and he said, you talking to me? Because the, they said, hey, how may I help you? You know, and he was like, and I said, oh, yeah, I forgot to warn you. Just a little bit. He said, it was good barbecue. He said, but that was a, uh, a little bit of a, an unexpected. But, man, what would it be like if, not necessarily in yelling at people, but in our lives, people were confronted in a way that they pleasantly replied to others, hey, he or she, as a Christian, helped me greatly. Either as a brother or sister in Christ or even somebody who was lost outside the faith, that they would say, hey, they're ready to help. Somebody with the gift of service can lead. All of us serve. All of us can minister. All of us are called in these ways. But somebody with this gift is a shining example of how we can honor Christ in these ways. Well, just to give a heads up back there, I'm going to skip teaching for this week. I want to hit to a conclusion. Because as we talk about the importance of spiritual gifts, we talk about challenges to discover, and we talk about these spiritual gifts, the question is, how do I discover these? I told you a couple weeks ago, I'd tell you how we do. I asked this very same question Wednesday night. If you want to be here on Wednesday night, I encourage that greatly. We're going to be kind of double dipping on some of these things, and it will be easier to have a conversation there. If we talk about one of these gifts and you go, well, you said something, but does it mean in that we could have a great conversation? It would be helpful for everybody present to just have a dialogue about these kind of things. So 6.30 Wednesday nights, that's our prayer meeting time for adults. I encourage everybody to be present for that. I ask this question, and if you're like me, someone who grew up in the late 70s, early 80s, discovering your spiritual gifts meant taking a test, Jim. <laughs> a teacher, take a test. Like taking a personality inventory. Anybody ever done those for a class, for work? Uh, I, I give those out in, in, in some form or another when I do premarital counseling. Just so that the prospective husband and wife get an idea, if they don't already know, of the differences in their personalities. Because that's the, kid, that's the kind of hotbed for potential conflict. And so we do. We do inventories in that way. If you've done, has, how many have ever done a spiritual gift survey or inventory? There's, there, you know, there's like hmm, maybe a third of us or a little bit less. Maybe a quarter of us have. And that's great. You say, why? Because my question is this. That was really popular, late 70s, early 80s. What did all the Christians from the time of Paul till then do to discover their spiritual gifts? Because they didn't take a test. You want to know how we discover our spiritual gifts? We do so through serving. You say, that doesn't make any sense. 
Well, it, it has to do with what I mentioned just a few minutes ago. When we talk about serving and ministry within the local church, and that local church then is kind of the foundation for us to branch out to our neighborhoods and our workplaces, our schools, our extended families and beyond. This area here within the local church, the church family, is to be the place where we learn. We have that opportunity to stumble, to make the mistake, to improve, to grow in our lives spiritually and find that. So when I talk about this, there's some aspects of, hey, I need to serve and then find out. And that's part of it. That's how the local churches in the early days did it. There's nothing wrong with those inventories, but if we take a test to then determine how I'm going to do it, I think we're doing it backwards. It can be helpful, but I say the bottom line is serving and then expecting three different things. First of all, examining my feelings. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. God, have you gifted me? I want to serve. I look at a ministry opportunity. Am I gifted for that ministry? Am I motivated with a gift that lines up with that kind of ministry? I go to serve and it brings me joy. Or I just think, man, that is what I want to do for God's kingdom, for the glory of his name. You say, that sounds counterintuitive to what you said earlier. It's not about what I want. It's not. Did you see what that verse said? Delight yourself in the Lord first, and then he will give you the desires of your heart. God never called us to serve. The, the heart of spirituality and true spiritual service is not you have to dread it in order for it to be spiritual. Or it has to be something that's like, oh, well, I have to. No, no, no. It is, I want to, I get to, I can't wait to. That comes right along with the gifting. We talk about heart in our shape for service. Next, we ought to expect confirmation from my church family. I go to serve, people say, and you start serving in an area. You're ministering with kids, you're serving. You're, you're serving on a different team that's a, a background type of team in the, in the kitchen area or, or serving and helping set up for various events and, and things like that. And somebody just comes by and goes, hey, I appreciate you doing that. Man, I notice you are always ready to jump in and do, or you're always there. Or if somebody needs something, you're there. And suddenly you go, if somebody else is seeing it, uh, maybe God's put that here for me. Next aspect in discovering our spiritual gift is also evaluating my effectiveness. I can tell you how much of a blessing it was early in my life and continues to be as you go to serve and, and you are saying, I believe God's called me to ministry, to, to serve the local church. And in the very first time I preached in that church that I was saved and grew up in, little church, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, right outside of Tulsa. And that first sermon I ever preached, I feel sorry for that church. It was all over the place, and it was, you know, it was all over in no time. You're going, you could bring that back again any time. That'd be fine. I get that. But it's just, I look back at that, and you go, man, wow. But as you continued to pursue training in college and continuing to serve and being discipled by my pastor at that time, I had, on more than one occasion, 
other adults in our church come up and say, man, I really appreciate the growth I see in you and how God is using you, how you've helped others in this church to understand the truth and to live it or encourage them when they may have been discouraged in their faith. These different aspects help us to go, you know what? I'm going to keep going this way. I believe God's called me this direction to serve in these ways. Those are aspects of that. And can our ministry focus shift from time to time? Yes, it can. The fact that I have a primary motivation that I personally believe sticks with me all my life doesn't mean that the ministry I do is going to stay the same all my life. It can vary. From teaching Sunday school to teaching uh, a Wednesday night for children or for youth and, and other different things, for, for doing uh, compassion and care ministry, for, from leading out in a missions or evangelism ministry. All of these things can change. But one thing remains the same. God has called us to serve, to serve with each other and for each other alongside one another. That is the beauty of this wonderful picture of a life of faith following our Lord. It says there in, in verse 6 of Romans chapter 12, according to the grace given to us. So according to that grace, we serve, we encourage each other, we continue to go forward in the strength he has given us. In the way he has made us. Hey, even if you and I have the exact same spiritual gifts, we have different personalities. We have different abilities. We have different experiences. And so the way God works through me is going to be different than the way God works through you, even if we have similar spiritual gifts. Even if we have different spiritual gifts, God will put us together to serve in a specific area at a specific time at a specific place for the blessing of the church and for others around us. You see, this isn't a cookie-cutter, one-fits-all, and this is it. This is what part of the challenge of spiritual gifts and, and, and service and ministry is all about, is who determines all of this? God does. I don't, you don't, we don't, he does. And we follow after him. And the bottom line to working in spiritual gifts and ministry is the heart of Isaiah. Lord, here am I. Send me. www.claybap.org